Welcome to A Little Louder Now, a podcast produced by the Bridge Initiative and FI360 Project. This is a This Month in Women's History series. We are Kelly and Alicia, your hosts and resident fangirls of all women who break barriers for others. We are in November, and today we are talking about Roberta Gibb. So the reason we chose November to talk about Roberta Gibb is because she's the first woman to run the Boston Marathon, as well as November is her birthday. Thank you, Kelly. That's, mm-hmm. that's very helpful. <laughs> I um, I'm, was really interested to learn about Roberta Gibb because I didn't know all of the barriers that she had to encounter to even just run the Boston Marathon. I didn't realize how difficult it was for women to even run in anything at that point. So um, this was a real learning experience for me. It was for me too, and I never realized it. Like, I've been running for 10 years now, which is frightening to think about. Um, But, I mean, I've always just been able to run a race, so I've never questioned, like, when women could start running races competitively against both males and females. Um, I just thought it's always just kind of been around, which I didn't realize it really wasn't a thing until pretty much the 80s. Like, it started, the movement started in the 70s, but really didn't get um, traction until the 80s. Yeah. So, uh, in any event, uh, Roberta Gibb was born Roberta Louise Gibb on November 2nd, 1942, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She grew up in the suburbs of Boston during the 1940s and 50s. She studied at the Boston Museum of Fine Arts and Tufts University School of Special Studies, where her father was a professor of chemistry at Tufts. At this point, she was already running through the woods with the neighborhood dogs when, in 1962, she met a middle-distance runner at Tufts named William Bingy. Bingy? Bingay? Bingay, I would would assume. William. His name is William. We'll call him Will. Who would later (laughs) enlist in the United States Navy and become her first husband. Um, So he really helped her train, right? Mm -hmm. So they they would run together. Um, She actually started running every day eight miles to school that was her daily commute and i thought it was really interesting that she ran in white leather red cross nurses shoes because women didn't have running shoes at the time that just i don't even have words for that because i mean as a runner you have one piece of equipment your running shoes yes like that's all you have. You buy the wrong ones and you're done. I have actually experienced that. They, Me too. I got the wrong ones and I had to do physical therapy for six months, so that was awful. But yeah, um, it was actually interesting because I was looking into that just because I had never had known the history of women's running shoes. And the first shoe actually didn't even come out until 1978. It was the Nike Lady Waffle Trainer. It was bright yellow with the blue Nike swoosh. Well, that's cool. Um, If there are any people that aspire to be runners out there, don't cheap out on your running shoes. No. Buy the good ones. Splurge. Yes. Do it. There are a few things that you don't buy the discount version of, and that's one of them. That and a mattress. (laughs) (laughs) Which you need for after running. You need a good mattress. So so anyway, she, she was running every day about eight miles, and so she was basically already training without intending to train Um, probably more than you would train for a marathon because you don't usually run eight miles a day you do you do I didn't oh I did (laughs) I didn't do that I did like five miles during the week and then I did long runs on the weekends I did like mine would vary I guess it depends on what training program you are because they have some that are just like just to do it others are for certain time limits things and it was like I had to do like two eight mile runs 
my lowest was like a five and then on the weekends was when I did my super long mm-hmm. ones I'm also a much slower runner than you, so I was probably doing the just to survive <laughs> level of training and not not the seven minute mile or whatever whatever I you. I wish I could do a seven minute mile. Oh goodness! So before 1966, the longest amateur athletic union, which we're going to call the AAU, sanctioned race for women was one and a half miles. The longest race for women was one and a half miles. That didn't change until 1972 when the first women's division marathon opened. So this is called the pre-sanctioned era. So it was from 1966 through 1971 when women who were banned from entering the men's division races because of their gender ended up running them anyway and finishing them anyway. They needed to call it something so it's the pre-sanctioned era because they weren't actually supposed to do that. so, Roberta, tell me about how long she trained for the um, the Boston before running it. She trained for two years, and she would run as much as 40 miles in a day. When you look at that, that's 10 miles shy of an ultramarathon, which that's is insane. 15. That's... I don't even want to think about how much time that took and, like, how sore your body would be. And right. to do that multiple times a week is just crazy. She's a beast. Um, um, she she applied, didn't she, to mm-hmm. run the Boston in February 1966, and she rec- received a letter back from the race director, whose name was Will Cloney. He informed her, and I quote, that women were not physiologically capable of running marathon distances, and that under the rules that governed amateur sports set out by the AAU, women were not allowed to run more than a mile and a half competitively. Mind you, she's she's doing that. She's running 40 miles a day wonder, but women are not physiologically capable i wonder of, if he would have been able to run 40 miles a day multiple no, times a week no he would not have so anyway she realized at this point that it was more important for her to run this um it was beyond her it was bigger than her she wanted to prove that women were actually physiologically capable she got good and angry about that i think <laughs> yeah, I w- that letter would make me angry. Oh, that would. I think that letter would piss anyone off. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my French. <laughs> yeah, that's just really. It's a very judgmental letter. But anyway, um, could you tell me a little bit about the Boston Marathon? Yep. So the Boston Marathon began in, began in 1897. So it's now about 122 years old. Um, when they first started in. Um, 1897 there were only 15 participants and it was inspired by the success of the first marathon uh, competition that happened in the 1896 summer olympics in athens greece um it's also the oldest continuously run marathon and it's the second largest um foot race in north america um having debuted five months after the buffalo turkey trot i think you meant longest longest second longest second longest yes I would Not like, for distance, but for time being around. Yeah, I would like to know what the buffalo turkey trot is, and I would like to run it dressed up like a turkey. I'm pretty sure it's just like every other turkey trot around Thanksgiving Day. Is it just like... You just go and run a... like a, a ra- five-mile... Yeah, um, there's, it depends. Like, the one in Pittsburgh, you have three options of running. Mm-hmm. So you can do the 5K, you could do a five-mile, or you can do the 5K and the five-mile both together. It's weird. Thanks, I'm doing that. Well, I'm not. It's just weird. <laughs> it's it's weird the way that they like 
break it down. 5K or 5 miles. Or you could do 5K and 5 miles. So why don't you just say 3 miles, 5 miles, or 8 miles? I don't know. I can't answer that question. <laughs> that just seems utterly confusing to me, but whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm glad you're running the 8 miles. That's good. Uh, I would like you to I wear mean, a turkey yeah. costume. Can we negotiate that into you? Absolutely not. No? no? How about a hat? No. What my, about like a turkey hat no. that like straps on? My friend is mad at me. I'm running a Halloween 5K and I'm not even dressing up. I was like, maybe no. I'll wear a spooky t-shirt, but I don't like... I, I have the costume for you. I don't like <laughs> wearing clothes. Like too much like... Like I don't like wearing oh, long sleeves. You and, don't like, like wearing clothes. <laughs> I don't like wearing like long sleeves or like long pants when I run. Like it'll be 40 degrees out. Like... I will try to run in shorts. I'm that kind of person. I don't like wearing pants. I, I sweat a lot, and I just get really overheated. So I you try. You can stop now. Whenever you want to stop, you can stop on that. Um, stop. I dug myself a hole, so goodbye, everyone. <clears throat> um, what if you ran the Halloween one in a blow-up dinosaur costume? I think I would die from heat. It does get really I hot I would die there. from heat exhaustion. Okay. What if I got you a fabric dinosaur costume would i still wear that die from heat no exhaustion okay. so we're gonna move on all right um <laughs> we're gonna continue this conversation offline i'm gonna keep bringing it up until the race is over um <laughs> thank god it's next weekend <laughs> um so pretty much with boston it's best known it's probably one of the, um, the best known road racing events um it attracts an average of about thirty thousand registered participants which when you think about that those um participants actually have to competitively competitively compete in other marathons in order to get a spot to qualify right so um because we're based in pittsburgh uh we're talking about the erie race because that's the closest boston qualifier for us Mm -hmm. um i don't think pittsburgh is is it i don't think so which is crazy to me that erie is and pittsburgh is not i think it's because the terrain is much more similar we're in pittsburgh um we have probably one of the hilliest it's hard in the country marathon Um, um but Erie mm-hmm. is basically flat. Yeah. And I remember um, looking into this and thinking, like, Erie. Like, I've, I've run, not the Erie Marathon, but I've run in um, Erie before. And I was like, that's not, it's not a hard terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston has, like, requirements on the grade that needs to exist mm-hmm. In the race, and I think Pittsburgh is just too high of a grade. Yeah, the average. Erie is like right above their minimum, and so it's the easiest pre-qualifying race. So that's why mm-hmm. so many people who are trying to qualify for Boston run the Erie because it's the one that has less hills. Is it just two loops around the lake? I don't. I don't know. I've never run the Erie Marathon, but I have run races in Erie. I'm gonna say I'm running um, a half in Erie next <laughs> next month. So well, you can ask some of the other people that are running around what the marathon is like, I guess. But that's also why a lot of people actually choose to run um, the Lakefront Marathon in Milwaukee because mm-hmm. it's also very similar terrain and extremely flat. Because um, I actually ran that as my first. And this might sound weird, but I kind of hated that there weren't any hills. Like running flat for that long actually kind of hurt. Like I think some hi- like not huge hills, but something a little bit more than like a little a slight incline would be good just to move Use different, different muscles. muscles. Yeah. Um cuz you kind of just got into the habit of just going through the pavement. Um Yeah. But then also with um the Boston Marathon, so it brings about 500,000 spectators every year. Um it makes it New England's most um widely viewed sporting event. Take so. that Patriots. <laughs> 
It is also one of the six World Marathon Majors, um, which is a championship-style competition for marathon runners that started in 2006. Um, the six annual races um, are held in the cities of Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York City. Um, it sounds weird, but it's actually really cool to see one of the big six. I got to yeah. see London when I was there, and that was really incredible, um, especially, too, because, like, there would be people running in teams and costumes, but they would be connected. Like, some people was, like, a fire fire department, and they literally ran as, like, a fire truck. And there was, like, four of them in this, like, cardboard thing, and I'm just like... How do you do that? How could you do that? Like, that... It blew my mind. No. Um, that sounds awful to me. <laughs> uh, so, the course for the Boston is... It runs from Hopkinton in southern Middlesex County to Copley Square in Boston, and it's always held on the third Monday of April. Their hashtag is Marathon Monday. Mm-hmm. So, um... You can actually see the finish line. It's right outside the Boston Public Library, which is, like, by Copley, which is always re- really cool. I check it out every time I go to Boston. I have never been to Boston, so... I love it. I go every year. <laughs> oh, I need to go there, I guess. Uh, so, anyway, back to Roberta. She traveled three nights and four days on a bus from San Diego, California, because that's where she was living at the time. Um, and she arrived the day before the race at her parents' house in Winchester, Massachusetts. On the morning of Patriots Day, April 19th, 1966, hashtag Marathon Monday, uh, her mother dropped her off at the start in Hopkinton. Remember, they don't have running attire for women. So she's wearing, like, a pair of her brother's Bermuda shorts and a sweatshirt over a black tank top swimsuit type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have running uniforms or running uh, clothing for women, athletic wear. This makes me not question, time. when was a sports bra invented? I don't know. If you know, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say after this. Probably. I mean, night... <laughs> Running shoes weren't invented till after yeah. for women, so that um, makes sense. So she hid in the bushes near the starting pen, and uh, after the starting gun fired, she waited until about half the pack had started and then jumped into the race. She This is being a bandit runner, which is one of the things the Boston Marathon is known for. People just jump in, and they run without having a, a tag or a number. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a nightmare for race officials. Oh, 100%. Um, in Pittsburgh, I know that they really try to put a stop to that, but th- what can you do? I've never seen a bandit runner in Pittsburgh. You've not? No. I remember uh, when I ran the Pittsburgh Fool, they were like, if you don't have a number, you will be removed. I remember them saying that, like, you have to make sure mm-hmm. that the number is visible or They're they very will remove strict you. on, I know, pe- letting people into the corrals. Like, um, yeah. Because they timed somehow. Me and my cousin, we put down the same times, but we got put into two separate corrals, and we both wanted to start together because we pace each other, and they were just like, nope, you have to start in your intended corral, but thankfully ours were like, back-to-backs were like, I just stayed at the back of mine. And yeah, and she went to the front of hers. Yeah, he went to the front of his. I'm oh, sorry. I assumed it was a girl. That he has to keep fair. up with me. It was a guy. I'm sorry, guy. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the men, she starts running. She jumps out of the bushes. She starts running. Uh, the men around her soon realize that she's a woman, and she was a little confused concerned that they were going to tattle on her basically or kick her like push her out Mm -hmm. push her down that's not what happened at all uh they were friendly they were supportive so she was encouraged by this and she removed her sweatshirt which was obvious you're obviously a woman at this point um to her delight and relief the crowd started cheering and they when they saw a woman running and the press began to report on her progress toward boston so like she was all that everybody was talking about um, and the president of Wellesley College 
Diana Chapman Walsh was a student at that time at Wellesley. Um, can you read this quote from her? Because I cry every time I do. The quote from Diana Chapman Walsh states that um, it was my senior year at Wesley. As I had done every spring since I arrived on campus, I went out to cheer the runners. But there was something different about that marathon day. Like a spark down a wire, the word spread to all of us lining the route that a woman was running the course. For a while, the screech tunnel fell silent. We scanned face after face in breathless anticipation until just ahead of her, through the excited crowd, a ripple of recognition shot through the lines and we cheered as we never had before. We let out a roar that, a roar that day, sensing that this woman had done more than just break the gender barrier in a famous race. So by the time that Roberta got to the finish line in Boston, the governor of Massachusetts, John Volpe, was there specifically to shake her hand. She finished in three hours, 21 minutes, and 40 seconds ahead of two-thirds of the other runners and under the current time limit of three hours and 30 minutes. Get it, girl. (laughs) Get it, girl. Well, I mean, she was running 40 miles a day. What was this to her? That is very true. This was a (laughs) warm-up. She was headline news the day after the marathon, um, but a spokesman for the New England Amateur Athletic Association had already decided it may be a woman's world after all. He decided he would change the rules. His name was Jack Kendall. And I quote, he plans personally to contact the organization's national headquarters and seek consideration for suspension of the NAAU rules so that a female who wishes to compete in a marathon can do so. In his opinion, the only way to the rule can be circumvented would be through suspension of the rules. So, I mean, she didn't she didn't have a number. She didn't get in a medal. She didn't officially partake in the race. Because technically she was a band or runner. Yeah. But she did. Um, mm-hmm. In 1967. The next year. Yes. Uh, Roberta gave run again. She finished nearly an hour ahead of the first official female runner in the Boston Marathon Catherine Schweitzer. Well, she was the first to have a number, a race number, yeah. but she wasn't like still. The, the race number was official, but it was actually a man. They thought she was a man because yeah, she, she did registered under, under KV Schweitzer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, which that led to the famous incident. Um, this in which picture just Jack makes my Semple blood boil. Tried to rip off her bib. Um, an ejector from the race. Um, at the time, he was the Boston Marathon uh, co-director, um, and he had had a long-time habit of physically attacking those he perceived to be non-serious runners competing in the race. How was that allowed? Like, how can you just 